So far on Joe Schmo, Joe ran afoul of his bros, was thrown in a hole, sold into slavery, accused of rape, put in prison, and then forgotten. But then, two years later, the pharaoh had a couple dreams. He asked around to see what they could possibly mean. Finally, his cupbearer remembered prison and how Joe Schmo took the time to listen. Pharaoh sent for Joe and told him what he dreamt. Joe paused for just a sec and then told him what it meant. He said that times of plenty would lead to times of lean. Pharaoh needed to store up the food so that everyone could eat. Pharaoh quickly realized that Joe Schmo was the man, so he took him out of prison and made him second in command. Once again, things happened, just as Joe had said. But thanks to Joe's planning, Egypt was ready for the bat. Eventually, even Joe's bros had to come to Joe to get food for their families when nothing would grow. God took care of Joseph and even made him thrive, so in the midst of famine, Joe Schmo's family could survive. All right, welcome. How are you? Give me something. Come on. Wow. Woo. Rough start. Hey, guys, I want to welcome everybody here at our Newburgh campus, West Campus. We see you out there. We love you. Uh, everybody listening online. I pray today that God will really speak to all of us. Over the last few weeks, we've been searching for the answer to the question, can your life be sweet even when it hasn't turned out to be the dream you started out with? And that's probably most of our lives. I, I know so many people have poured so much money in ed- education, got out, and then hated what they studied for. You know, maybe life doesn't always turn out the way we want, but can that be okay? Can you have joy wherever you are? And before we get started, I want to let you know something about something that's kind of coming up at our church. At, at Crossroads, we want to do more than just preach it. We want, to, we want to live it and teach it. You can find healing in community with others uh, who understand the journey of depression. We offer support groups. They're starting up again on September 17th. You can sign up online for those, cccgo.com slash support. Uh, the titles are things like Journey to Freedom, Mental Health, Grief Share, and Recovery. That's just a few. I believe there are 20 different support groups. So we want to be here for you. We want to do the journey with you. So let me pray before we get started. Father, we love you, we worship you, and we praise you. God, you, you really did come to give us an abundant life. You really did come to save us. You really did bring joy to the earth. And somehow, God, we are missing it by a mile. So many of us, God, just missing all that you have for us. We, we get the salvation part. I get to go to heaven when I die. But God, you don't want us to live in hell while we're on earth. Uh, Lord, there is joy. There is peace to be found right here. It is not what I have to say, but what you have to say. So I pray, God, today that you would begin to anoint us with the oil of joy more than any other. We love you. We worship you. We praise you. And we ask you to speak in Christ's name. Amen. Well, I wonder, how are you handling life so far? The ups, the downs, the good, the bad, because it's all there, isn't it? I mean, life isn't all roses and sunshine, but... It isn't all weeds and despair either. Your life will have ditches and your life will have palaces. And the key is to learn how to enjoy life in both places. But there will be rough times, very rough times. And I want to acknowledge that. I got a phone call from a guy in in Vegas while I was on vacation. Las Vegas, lives in Las Vegas. And he was just broken up and he was in such agony and such despair. I talked to a lady just last night in our hallway and she was in such despair. And you know, sometimes all you can do, all you can do in the midst of the battle, in the midst of the worst places is simply hang on to the word of God. 
I have found that contentment can often be found through hanging on to and believing in the promises of God that are, and that are found in his word. I, I think when I, when I say that, I, I remember being in Poland. And I wanted to be a missionary there, and I loved my life there. We were there three years, but about two months into it, I just wanted to go home. I, I, remember, wake, I remember laying it in, in bed at night, and I would close my eyes tight. I don't know if you've ever done this. And I would say, God, please let this all be a dream. Let, let me open my eyes, and I'm back at my great church in Kentucky and living in that beautiful little house that we had, and life just going back to normal. And I would, I would open my eyes. Guess what? I'm still in Poland. And again, I'm, in retrospect, I'm so glad, but the only thing I could do was hold on to the word of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lead under your own understanding. All your ways acknowledge him and he'll direct your paths. Verses like that were just key to me. All I could do in the midst of the greatest despair was hang on to God, the word of God. Just repeat it, just marinate in it, just, just over and over again. Sometimes it's all you can do. Contentment can often be found through hanging on to and believing in the promises of God that are found in his word. As we read through the word of God, we need to allow it to lift us up. Uh, we must not only hear it, but we need to dwell on it and not just dwell on it. We need to believe it. God might give you a passage that you just read over and over again. Let, let me give you an example. Psalms 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. I bet, I bet that's probably true. But we never feel that way. He, he lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Well, why would he have to light, lead me to peaceful streams? Because there will be times of weakness. But they won't be forever. And God is in the process of renewing you. He's taking you. He's going to give you times of peace. He's doing life with you. It goes on to say, even when I walk through the darkest valley, you know, the Bible's just honest and real. You are, you're going to have dark valleys. But, but even when that happens, I won't be afraid, for you are close beside me. Uh, so oftentimes people will say, I, you know, I pray, I feel like my prayers get to the roof and that's it. I don't feel like God is with me. He is. I, I can sit here and say, I don't feel like I'm sitting on a stool, but I am. The reality is he's there. The psalmist understood that. He said, I'm walking through some really dark valleys occasionally, but I'm not afraid for you're close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect me. God doesn't say we won't walk through dark valleys because that would be a lie. We all will while we're on this earth, but we're not alone without protection. I love, I love this. You prepare a feast for me in the presence of my enemies. You got people out there that are just rooting for you to fail, just don't want to see you succeed. God said, man, not only am I going to feed you, but I'm going to put a table right where they can all see you. Oh, God lifts us up. You, you honor me. People have a problem with that. God honors you. God lifts you up. You honor God, it's mutual. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessing. Aren't we supposed to lift him up? That's just part of not being able to give God. He said, surely goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. 
There's so much, so much meat in that. I, that's just one chapter of the Bible that is filled with promises that I absolutely believe and have absolutely experienced. Well, this week we're ending our walk through the life of Joseph. And my hope in prayer is that all of us will walk away with an understanding that it can absolutely be okay when life isn't okay. There can still be hope and peace that can pierce the darkness. In, in week one, we found Joseph at the top of the world, daddy's favorite. But life got very complicated while he was still young. And we've seen him go from daddy's favorite to a ditch. We've seen him go from a ditch to, to slavery, from slavery to prison. But guys, this week, we're finally going to find him in the palace. Here's the deal. We can read about his journey in just a few chapters in the Bible. For us, getting him from the ditch to the palace was four weekends. You know how long it was for Joseph? 13 years. 13 years ago, his brother threw him in a ditch. 13 years later, he's going to find himself in a palace. Here's the deal. Somehow he thrived in every phase. He never gave up on God. He never quit honoring God. And God never quit honoring him. Look, life is always just spinning and happening around us, is it? The perfect vacation's never perfect. You, you take your kids to Disney World and all they do is cry. And you do too because of the prices. <laughs> I saw a little dude out there this morning, coolest looking little dude, sitting at a table with a cake donut, half eaten, screaming and crying his eyes out. You can't scream and cry when you have a cake donut. <laughs> but oh, it's, life's just spinning. That match made in heaven will have days when it feels more like it was made in Hades. Your wedding may come off less like a royal wedding and more like an episode of Roseanne. That's just the truth. And guys, I got news for you. Someday that girl's probably gonna break up with you. I mean, it just happens, doesn't it? Adversity is going to come, but it's not the end of your life. And it does not have to send you spiraling down some seemingly never-ending road of depression. Uh, let's, let's review how Joseph handled adversity in his life. In, first in slavery, the Lord was with Joseph, so he succeeded. God's with him. He, he's succeeding in slavery, in a not perfect condition, in a place he doesn't want to be. And everything he did is he served in the home of his Egyptian master. Potiphar noticed this and realized that the Lord was with Joseph, giving him success. Life does not have to be perfect for you to be thriving. In everything he did, this pleased Potiphar, so he made Joseph his personal attendant. He put him in charge of his entire household and, and everything he owned. What, well, what about in prison? But the Lord was with Joseph in the prison. And he showed him his faithful love. God was loving him. God was pouring into him. God was using him. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Before long, the warden put Joseph in charge of all the other prisoners and over everything that happened in the prison. See, in adversity, Joseph leaned into God. He, he, he continued to work hard. He prayed hard. He served those around him. He just kept going. The, the young man who called me from Vegas, he said, he was so, so distraught, so depressed. He said, Rick, I've listened to all the Joe Smo uh, sermons three times over. He said, sometimes, man, all I can do, he said, I'm, I, I'm just so worn out. I'm so tired. He said, sometimes all I can do is just shuffle. I'm so tired, but I walk. And I thought about when I was depressed, I would do that too. 
I, sometimes I was just so anxious. I would just go out and walk. I would be so tired. I, I, I remember just shuffling, shuffling up the driveway. Well, you know what? I, I couldn't give up. I, I couldn't quit, and you can't either. See, Joseph's brothers threw him in a ditch, but God just jumped down in the ditch with him. It's kind of like I always say about my wife. If she ever leaves me, I'll just pack up and go with her. <laughs> Listen, remember what the psalmist said, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I won't be afraid for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff, they protect and comfort me. I'm not negating the fact that you might be going through some very dark, dark times, but I am negating the fact that those times are forever. And I am telling you not to give up. I'm telling you not to pull the trigger on that gun that you might have to your head. You may be facing despair and sadness, but maybe, maybe you're sad and depressed because of something you've, you've done wrong. I say, Rick, I get it, but you know, Joseph remains so faithful and I have not. I, I struggle with his sin and I promise God I wouldn't, but I do. Listen, I'm opposing and calling out the lie that your past or present sin can keep you, could keep God from ever using you. The lie that you're too far gone and the, and the, and, and the depression that that causes. I, it, listen, if your sin could keep you from God, then Jesus would have never come. It was your sin that caused the Lord to say, I got to get down there and, and fix this. Hey, for some of you here today, contentment might simply be asking Jesus to come into your life and to save you. Maybe it's salvation. Maybe it's save you from something. Contentment might simply be asking Jesus to come into your life and save you. If, if you don't know Jesus as your personal Lord and the one who died to pay your way into heaven. In other words, you, you don't know for sure you were gonna, if you die today, you'd go to heaven. Listen, then, then let this be Christmas in July for you. Don't walk out of here without knowing Jesus. In, in fact, let's look at a Christmas verse. The Bible says, suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. This is the birth of Jesus. They as the shepherds, they were terrified, but the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring you great joy to all people. Listen, he's saying, you know what? He's saying joy has entered into the world through Jesus. Great news has been born to you in day, day in Bethlehem in the city of David. And then he goes on to say, you know, a, a, a savior. Man, when Jesus entered the world, joy entered the world. He came to seek and to find you. He came to bring you salvation. That's just the truth of God. Let today be the day you just say, Jesus, I, I, I'm ready. Hey, the best I know how, I, I've tried life without you. I'm calling on you to save me. You know what? His gift to you is salvation and a life with meaning and purpose. Look, look what he says in John. John says, but to all who believed in him and accepted him, he gave the right to become children of God. Perhaps you already know Jesus, but you're consumed with a guilty past. Or, or some sin you're struggling with. You, you, you rise and you fall. Man, you just can't handle anymore. I want to hit pause here. Th this next point is for you. For those of you who, who have known Jesus for a while. You are God's precious child and he loves you. He, he, listen, listen God, wants you, God wants you in a palace. Whether your palace is a double white trailer or the Taj Mahal. 
I know because I'm from Kentucky. You get it? You, you may say, man, God may never put you in the White House, but he's going to put you in the right house. There can be joy and peace wherever you are. I want to hit pause here. Here's a literal text I received while working on the sermon from, from a young guy. He has known Jesus forever. And I got this text. I'm in the midst of writing this. Please, this is exactly what, please pray like super strong for me whenever you get a chance, man. I'm getting attacked by the devil really, really terribly lately. Uh, I'm feeling completely worthless. Knows Jesus. And really dark thoughts have been flowing through my head, man. Thanks for always being there for me day in and, and day out. And, and, here, and here's my actual response. This is all through texting. Once we have called upon Jesus, we are saved. We, we never have to be perfect. Good luck with that. We never have to be perfect or work our way to heaven. He loves you and paid it all. And then I threw in these verses, all foolish Galatians. This is Paul writing to the Galatians. Paul wrote 13 books of the, the New Testament. The only time you'll ever see Paul mad is when he writes to the Galatians and he calls them a fool so many times. You talk about culturally insensitive. He better have been getting emails. Paul writes, oh, foolish Galatians, who has cast an evil spell on you? For the meaning of Jesus Christ's death was made as clear as you, clear to you as if you had seen a picture of his death on the cross. It's a good way ahead of his time. There weren't iPhone back then. Let me ask you this one question. Paul, this is Paul just hammering the Galatians. Because see, people had come into the Galatians and said, yeah, Jesus, you need Jesus. But you know what? You still got to work your way to heaven. You still got to be really good. You still got to be perfect. You still got to follow the Ten Commandments. And, and Paul says this, did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. He's going to say it again, man. Talk about insensitive. How foolish can you be? You know, he's saying, stop being so stupid. After starting your lives in the spirit, why are you now trying to become perfect by your own human effort? It's this young guy's worried about I'm not perfect and I'm not good enough. He's talking to me about, you know, well, the way I treated my dad, the way I did this, the way I did that. I said, man, Jesus died for all of that. You know, contentment can often be found in embracing who you really are in Christ. If you already know Jesus and you're God's precious child and he loves you more than you can conceive of. He wants you in a palace, whether your palace is a double wide trailer or the Taj Mahal. He's always in your life. He's always orchestrating. I like the word manipulating. People don't like that, but I love it when God just gets in there and works it out. Remember God's orchestrating your hand? Joseph's brothers sell him to slave traders, but God intervenes into his life to make sure he was sold to a man in direct connection to the Pharaoh. Potiphar, the captain of the guard, God didn't throw Joseph into prison. That was Potiphar's lying wife. 
I believe that God intervened for his, into his life and had him thrown into a prison with the Pharaoh's baker and, and wine taster. That's just God. Finally, today we find Joe at the end of a long journey. Joseph has become well-known by those who are close to Pharaoh. And when Pharaoh has some troubling dreams, guess what? Joe's name comes up. Uh, Genesis 41. Pharaoh sent for Joseph at once. And he was quickly brought from the prison. After he shaved and changed his clothes, he went in and stood before the Pharaoh. Don't, that's funny. That's just funny. That's the scripture just being real. He just smelled bad. You're not, no, you're not going to go see the Pharaoh like that. So they shave him, they change him. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, I had a dream last night. No one here can tell me what it means. But I have heard. What? I have heard that when you hear about a dream, you can interpret it. I have, I have heard. How? This guy's a convict. What do you mean you've heard of a convict? Don't let the beauty of that pass you by. That's God. Maybe you've been to prison. Guess what? You're not allowed to get out of the race. I don't know where you've been, but God still wants to use you. Look at Joseph's response. It is beyond my power to do this. You know what? God split the Red Sea. God died on the cross to pay for your sins. God loves you. God can do anything he wants to do. God can redeem you. And Joseph gets it. It's beyond my power to do this. Oh, but I know a God. But God can tell you what it means and set you at ease. That's just a snapshot of Joseph's character. Here he is before the king, the most powerful man in the known world, a guy who can snap his fingers and Joseph just dies. Or snap his fingers and, and he becomes the richest man in the world. And Joe tells him, I don't have any power, but I know God. Listen, that's enough. That's enough to put you before kings and prisoners. I know God. He humbles himself up and lifts up God. And it, his character is always rising to the top. Let me, I want to say something here people have a problem with. If you will live to bring honor and glory to God, then God will live to bring honor and glory to you, to us. People don't like that. What do you mean God lives to bring honor and glory to me? Remember the psalmist said, you honor me by anointing my head with oil? If you lift up God, he will lift you up. I have heard. Pharaoh, I'm just a little Jewish kid from out in the desert. I've been in slavery and prison for 13 years. What do you mean you've heard of me? If you and I will live to honor God and to glorify God, then God will live to bring honor and glory to us. Our, our, our lead pastor, Patrick Garcia, just got an invitation to a presidential president of the United States dinner. Don't tell me God doesn't have a sense of humor. You think he's taking me? No, he's got to take his wife. 
Listen, honoring God does not mean you learn more and more and more about God, although that's, that's powerful. I, I don't come out of here unless I've spent a lot of time in prayer because I don't want to come out of here without God just speaking. Heard a story about a guy, somebody was telling me in this as if it was this amazing thing. I heard about a guy who, who went off and, and lived by himself for 33 years just studying the Bible. Isn't that great? I said, no, that's horrible. I don't want to just study the Bible. I want to be an open Bible. I don't want to just learn more and more about God. I want to do more and more for God and with God. That's what it means to honor God. Sometimes you and I, man, we just got to get out of here and go out there. We got to take our shiny shoes out into the world around us, folks. That's what it means to honor God. If you're working in an office building, but living to bring honor and glory to God, then you're being faithful. If you're moving to Africa to work with those far from God, then you are being faithful. If you're actively seeking opportunities to share what Christ has done for you, then you are being faithful. And at just the right time, God will lift you up and exalt you. I say this all the time. You cannot outgive God. It, it, it's fun trying. Well, Pharaoh tells Joseph about two dreams he's had. One where seven fat cows come up on the shore and eat seven really skinny cows. And one where seven fat heads of grain are devoured by seven skinny grains of wheat. And here's what Joseph tells him. This will happen just as I have described it. This is Joseph talking to Pharaoh. For God has revealed to Pharaoh in advance what he's about to do. The next seven years will be a period of great prosperity throughout the land of Egypt. But afterward, there will be seven years of famine so great that all the prosperity will be forgotten in Egypt. Famine will destroy the land. This famine will be so severe that even the memory of the good years will be erased. And then he throws out, as for having two similar dreams, it means that these events will happen, have been decreed by God and will soon and he will soon make them happen. He's like, Pharaoh, listen, dude, you, you, you've got to start putting food away. You've got to start thinking. You've got to start planning. You're going to get some amazing bumper crops, but then it's going to get ugly. Look, look at the results of Joseph's faithfulness to God. Joseph's suggestions were well received by the Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asked his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the spirit of God? Oh, I want that to be said about me. Don't you, I want somebody to say, that dude is just filled with the Spirit of God. And Joseph didn't curse God and give up in the hard times. In fact, he allowed them to develop his character. You know, and in slavery, he learned how to manage a huge household. In prison, he learned to deal with disgruntled and angry people. He could have been a pastor. He probably needed a couple more years in prison. He developed the ability to hear from God and to interpret God's will. And, and his life brought honor to God everywhere he was. Potiphar, the warden, the prisoners, even the Pharaoh praised God because of Joseph. Can that be said of me or you? Are, are, 
is the world, not other Christians, not your friends in your life group or here you're sitting next to, but can the world praise God because you're in their life? The world is looking for and in desperate need of godly men and women. God, God wants men and women who can introduce to the world to a loving God. Remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 9, verse 36? This is Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. Here's what we read. We read, the workers are great, but the harvest is few. That's not what Jesus said. The harvest is great. You know he's saying? Man, there are a lot of people out there ready for salvation. There are a lot of people out there ready to hear about a God who loves them. There are a lot of desperate people out there, but there aren't very many people who are out there sharing Jesus. There's no shortage of people ready to receive Christ, but there's a huge shortage of people willing to take Christ to the world. We're just too content. Well, I'm pretty comfortable here. But oh, the blessings for those who do. You got, you got people just nowhere near God, praising God, going, this God is real because because this guy's going through so much and he, he just keeps smiling. He keeps working hard. He keeps loving me. He keeps caring. His God must be real. Pharaoh was blown away by this guy. Verse 41 or chapter 41. Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God has revealed the meaning of the dreams to you, clearly no one is as intelligent or as wise as you are. That's never been said of me. You will be in charge of my court and all my people will take orders from you. Only I, this is Pharaoh, this is the world leader. Only I sitting on the throne will have a rank higher than yours. Pharaoh said to Joseph, I hereby put you in charge of the entire land of Egypt. It gets crazier, it gets crazier. Then Pharaoh removed his signet ring from his hand, placed it on Joseph's finger. He dressed him in a fine linen clothing and hung a gold chain around his neck. That's so God. You, you remember that beautiful coat that his dad made, but the brothers took off of him, tore it, and put blood on it? Well, God just gave him a better one. He went from prison rags to Armani suits. He had so much gold on him, he looked like a rapper. They started calling him two chains. <laughs> you know something? Here's something you may not realize. Your joy may be one day away. Don't give up. Your joy may literally be one day away. I promise you, Joseph did not wake up that morning knowing he was going to be second in command of the most powerful world. Hey, the warden, hey, come on out of jail here for a second. Oh, by the way, now you're the king. He, he didn't know that. The thief dying on the cross next to Jesus didn't know that his crucifixion was going to turn out to be the best day of his life. I know he didn't sleep that night thinking I'm going to go to a cross. I'm going to be nailed. It's going to be torturous. And then Jesus turns to him and goes, hey, dude, go to sleep. Because when you wake up, you and I will be walking streets of gold. You do not know what one day will bring. So do not give up in the race. Your joy, your joy may be one 
stayed away. Remember the dreams God gave Joseph way back in his hometown, Genesis 37, verse 9? So Joseph had another dream, and again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I've had it. This is way back, 13 years. I've had another dream. The sun and the moon and 11 stars will bow down before me. Remember that? Well, you know something? God does not change his mind. It doesn't matter the circumstances. God can rise above circumstances. He created worlds and oceans. He can fix you. Look at the next verses. Keeping in mind that it was 13 years ago, 13 years later. This is Pharaoh. Then he, that means Pharaoh, had Joseph ride in the chariot reserved for a second in command. And whenever Joseph went, wherever Joseph went, the command was shouted, kneel down. Remember what God said? Stars are going to bow down to you. Kneel down. So, so Pharaoh put Joseph in charge of all of Egypt. When Joseph walked in the mall, drove down the streets in his chariot, walked his dog, armed security would yell, kneel down. That's crazy. But God wasn't done Joseph, blessing Joseph. What about his family, his dad, his brothers? How'd that all turn out? The time to mourn was about to become the time to dance. It says, verse Six, chapter Genesis 42. Since Joseph was governor of all Egypt and put in charge of selling grain to all the people, it was to him that his brothers came. See, dad's out in the desert starving and he goes, I've heard there's food in Egypt. So he sends the brothers down there. They don't, they don't know Joseph's. They think he's dead. They don't know. When they arrived, they bowed before him. Remember what God said, your brothers will bow before you. Man, God is cool. They bow before him with their faces to the ground. I don't have time to read the whole story. You need to go home and read it. Here's his chance for revenge, but that's not what he does. Joseph could have said they need to die and no one would have questioned it. Well, he had some fun with him. He hides his identity for a while. But in Genesis 45, Verse two, when he finally reveals himself to him, it says, and I can't go over all this, but then he broke down and wept so loudly that the Egyptians can hear him. And the word of it quickly spread through Pharaoh's palace. I am Joseph. He said to his brothers, dead still alive. He, he, he could have taken revenge. Verse five, he says to his brothers, don't be upset and don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me ahead of you to preserve your lives. Listen, make no mistake, these guys had done a grievous, horrible act. They had lied, stolen Joseph's childhood. They had wounded their mom and dad by taking their son from it. it, it that, that, they, they, had, they had done some horrible things. But he says, don't get upset and don't be angry at yourself. Listen, you can't attain to this level of forgiveness without God's help, but contentment can often be found in forgiveness. Contentment can often be found in forgiveness. I, I, I talked to a lady out in the hallway and she told me something that had happened, something that had been done to her family. And I mean, I, I wanted to jump on her side and say, oh, I did. I said, that's grievous. Oh, that makes me angry for you. But you know what Paul said in Ephesians 4? He said, man, get rid of all bitterness and wrath and anger. Just don't hold on to it, but it's supernatural. You have to go to God and say, God, I have been so wounded, but Lord, I love you. I worship and I praise you. 
and I just want to forgive and get on with my life. Listen, life is hard, but Scripture's simple. If, if your life isn't what you expected or hoped for, I encourage, you, I encourage you to step back in the midst of joy or in the midst of darkness and simply say to God, God, here's where I find myself today. How can I bring honor and glory to your name? Right where I'm at. Listen, if you will lift him up, he will lift you up. And that's, that's the rest of the story. Let me pray. Father, we love you and worship and praise you. What an amazing God. Oh, God, there's so much. It's so deep. It's so rich. The bottom line is it's okay when it's not okay. When we're in a ditch, you just jump down in it with us. You love us. And God, if you promised you'd take us to a palace, nothing's going to stop you. We're your children and you love us. We worship and we praise you in Christ's name. Amen. Thanks, guys, for listening.